Welcome to the Leading Life Science Podcast. I'm your host, Lee Fell, CEO and founder of clinical development company Caritas Science Solutions and reader of all things well-being and performance-based. In this podcast, I speak to changemakers and thought leaders from all different disciplines in life sciences, in well-being, from Scotland and from further afield, all of whom are making a difference in developing our collective and whole person health. We talk leadership, the science of leading, leading science, life science, and the science of life. Whether your interests are pharmaceuticals, complementary therapies, sports, nutrition, or simply taking charge of your own health. We talk about it all and introduce you to some of the most innovative and groundbreaking minds in our community. This podcast should not be taken as medical advice for anyone seeking treatment, therapies or interested in participating in clinical trials. Always speak to your doctor, GP or primary physician in the first instance and they will be able to direct you to appropriate resources. So here we are, the very first episode of our new series and Graham is Head of Clinical Development at Neurocentrics Pharma who we at Caritas have had the pleasure of collaborating with for some time now on their journey into the clinic. Graham, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your background and how you came to be at Neurocentrics? Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks, Liam. First of all, thank you for inviting me to participate in this podcast. So a little bit about myself. I've spent my whole 27-year career in the pharmaceutical industry and been fortunate enough to spend it all here in Scotland. I started my career in the Sierra world at Charles River in the preclinical space. I then ventured over to the other side of the fence when I joined a startup company called Stracan in the Scottish Borders. Here I was responsible for the company project plans and the financial forecasting. I then jumped back over into the Sierra world where I spent over 12 years working predominantly within the project management at both PPD and IQVIA. Then just over a year ago, I saw an advert to join a small Scottish biotech company called Neurocentrics as head of clinical development. I held discussions with the CEO, S. Carmel Riley, and through these initial discussions, it became very clear that I share the same passion as Carmel to develop a treatment for people suffering from mood disorders. I so decided to join the company. So a little bit Neurocentrics. Um, it's a company that is roots firmly in Scotland, where it was formed uh, 10 years ago. The growing company specialises in the development of oral formulations of ketamine for the treatment of a range of diseases. Our main focus is on the application of our oral ketamine pro- capsules products to treat major depression disorders. Since its formation, the company has, had, has completed two rounds of funding, raising over £4 million, which has permitted the company to successfully conduct a phase one human volunteer study at King's College London. The funding also allowed us to develop a novel formulation which has abutiterant properties. This is all underpinned by strong patent coverage from the formulations and we're now gearing up for our pivotal phase two, three spells and so it's an exciting time to be here in Eurocentrics. Wow, it's, it sounds like it's been very busy then over the last few years. Really? So I, I didn't realise the company had been around for 10 years, but I guess that would be all the, the preclinical Um, work. Um, Great. So my understanding is that ketamine is used in the NHS as an anaesthetic or a sedative and there is an approved S-ketamine nasal spray which is actively used in the US and it's approved for marketing in the UK but it's not really used on the NHS. So what is different about the type of ketamine that's being developed at Neurocentrics and how will that help patients? 
Uh, so a little bit about ketamine itself. So ketamine is a synthetic drug which was created back in 1960s and it's on the essential medicine list of the WHO. It's approved and licensed by health regulators worldwide as an injectable anaesthetic. Uh, but recently, uh, in a sub-anaesthetic doses, clinical trials have shown that some patients with depression have a rapid response to ketamine. That is within hours or days. This contrasts with most currently used antidepressant medicines that take many weeks to work or fail, uh, which is significant for patients which could be suicidal at the time. Unfortunately, for approximately 40% of these patients, the medications do not work, and so these patients are deemed treatment-resistant, which we call TRD. IV ketamine is routinely used in clinical practice as an unlicensed medication for the treatment of TRD, and studies have shown it's, it's very effective. As you say, in the US, uh, there are many IV uh, ketamine clinics treating patients with TRD. You're also right, there is a nasal spray, which has recently been approved for TRD, which is a great step forward for the patients. However, the nasal spray has problems, uh, one being the medication has to be given in a medical setting with qualified staff, making it very expensive and also very inconvenient for the patient. Additionally, the spray containers are also very costly and less environmentally friendly, and therefore the nasal spray treatment is not widely accessible for patients. In the UK, the nasal spray is not approved for use by NICE based on the, these very high costs. So why an oral formulation? Well, simply put, our vision is to develop the first oral capsule, which is convenient to, to use for the patient in the home setting, and is cost-effective, which will then for, um, open uh, up access to over 40% of these patients who trail their country, fail their country treatments. No oral products are currently available as a licensed med med medicine worldwide. Um, interestingly, I listened to a podcast recently, which was discussing the, the use of ketamine um, from the viewpoint of the patient. They discussed the various routes of administration, which there are many. There's intravenous, intra intramuscular, intranasal, sublingual suppositories. And one patient simply asked, why is there no pill available? Hopefully we'll address that with uh, address this patient need. Gosh. So would that would be a kind of daily tablet or, or pill that you take, or is it it's, a it's, it's planned to be taken twice uh, per week. Mm, okay, excellent. And and I didn't realise that the nasal spray had to be taken in a, in a medical setting. Is that is it a controlled drug? Is that why? Or? Uh, so ketamine is a controlled drug, um, but it needs to be taken in the medical setting mm -hmm. because of the, the sort of side effects, the mm -hmm. sedation of the patients. Um, so the patient would typically go into a clinic, uh, take the medication over, um, and then they'd be observed over a period of two to three hours, mm -hmm. and then they'd be... Uh, allowed to go home. So that whole period of being in the, in the medical sex setting could be sort of four hours, which is also very expensive for the, the medical staff to be there. Um, and it's also very inconvenient for the patient to, to go to the medical setting mm -hmm. twice or three times a week. And it's not not all patients are able to do that. So that's where we are very much working on um, an oral formulation yeah. as, an, as an abusive term formulation, which could be taken in the home setting. Mm -hmm. And of course, depression is one of the, the leading causes of disability in the world. So there's a lot of people out there that are. Absolutely. In, yeah, absolutely. So it could make a huge difference. What is the mechanism of action? Do you know how it works? Can you um, well, that's, that's a difficult question. Um, yeah. And to answer your question directly, no, we don't know the full um, mode of action of ketamine. Okay. However, it's, it's currently been worked on and what we do believe is there's, there's three main mode of actions which elicit an immediate response, which could be 
within hours or days rather than weeks, a medium effect and not a longer term effect. So looking at one of the mechanisms of actions I'd like to highlight is the effect of ketamine as an NMDA receptor inhibitor. These receptors are critical to have neuroplasticity, neuroplasticity in the brain. That is, the neurons on which the NMDA receptors are located are responsible for changes to occur within the brain. So if we think of like rewiring circuits in the brain, uh, and new connections can be made. For depressed patients, that could be a new way of thinking. So ketamine has a high affinity to bind the NMDA receptor on inhibitory neurons, which dampen down their effects. These neurons normally uh, keep the activity of excited neurons in check. So in a normal person, there's a balance between the, the two kinds of neurons. So in patients with depression, there's a slight imbalance where there's less activity by the excitatory neurons. So when ketamine is administered, this lowers the inhibitory neuron activity, which in turn allows the excitatory neurons to be more active and thereby have a higher degree of brain activity. So repeated dosing of ketamine, say over six weeks, leads to a longer term rewiring in the brain, which can persist longer even after treatment is, treatment is stopped. The effects may well wear off, uh, so patients will receive a further course of treatment. As I say, how ketamine works is very complex and further research is ongoing. But what we do know is that the efficacy of ketamine is beyond doubt. Because mm. that's kind of similar to what I've heard about psilocybin and, and kind of the psychedelics things as sort of rewiring the brain. and Exactly, which um, it, it's a different way of thinking uh, and the, the sort of the, the normal depressed way of thinking that could be as I say, rewired to, to allow the brain to, to make the new connections which may have been lost uh, some time ago. This podcast is sponsored by Caritas Science Solutions. Caritas is a leading clinical research and development organisation that specialises in oncology, neurology and well-being. We proudly support organisations to take promising, potentially life-changing treatments into the clinic. Ask us how we can support and develop your strategy. Check us out at www.caritasscience.co.uk. The link is in the comments or find us on LinkedIn. I heard on a podcast earlier today that there's a theory that it could destabilise memories and perhaps allow memories to be manipulated and they were talking about the fact that that could be helpful in treatment of things like alcohol dependency. Um, do you think that could be a part of the mechanism for depression? Or yeah, as, as I say, there's there's many different ways of uh, mode of action of, of ketamine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's there are certainly different um, treatments. And for, for, although we are, we are focusing on TRD as lead indication, we are considering other indications like anorexia, um, as well as there's PTSD. Um, so there's a, there's a whole range of other indications which ketamine could well be very useful for. Mm. Okay, great. Um, now, we are obviously not making any medical claims or advice on this podcast, but from the evidence that we have so far, does it appear to be safe? Yes, and these, as mentioned previously, ketamine has been used since the 1960s as an IV anaesthetic. And so there's a huge amount of data on the use of ketamine. And this data is for much higher doses than we, what we've been tend to use in, uh, in in the treatment of the mood disorders. Um, and recently, we we sought uh, scientific advice from the MHRA on our proposed development plans, and they confirmed that there is sufficient data for us to proceed to conduct in our pivotal phase three trials for the successful conclusion of phase one. Um, our formulation is considered to be immediate release, which means it's fully absorbed into bloodstream within thirty to forty minutes. 
And so it's, it's absorption and excretion from the body is very similar to that of the IV formulation as well as intranasal stores. So in effect, all we're simply doing is changing the route of administration. Mm, okay. Um, and, and also just to say, ketamine, although it's a, a controlled medication, as people will be aware, it can be open to misuse. Uh, so as a company, we recognise the importance of ensuring it's, it's, it's used safely by the patients for whom it's intended. Therefore, over the last few years, we've been developing a, a capsule which has abuse deterrent properties. So we've, we've developed a, a gel-like formulation which complies with the FDA guidance on abuse deterrents, and so it cannot be abused by injection or snorting. Mm-hmm. Um, we intend to, to work with authorities to eventually allow the patient to safely take the medication at home and thereby avoid the additional cost of having the patient attend these costly medical settings. Do you have to look at the abuse potential in your trials at all? Is that something that... that is, so, we are, so our abuse deterrent formulation is, is now currently being scaled up to GMP manufacture. So our phase two trials, which we are conducting next year, will be using the abuse deterrent formulations. Um, and they will be um, taken at home during the trials. And we're also looking to use some sort of tip apps, if you like, which will monitor the patient at home. So you'll be able to tell during a, a simple conversation, if you like, whether the patient is under the influence or has taken the medication. So having these sort of sedation effects and then importantly, seeing them resolve and be able to go back to the to do their normal tasks. So but we're currently working through that, but we're, I think, certainly safety of, of the patient is, is paramount. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Gosh, that's interesting. So ketamine often gets bunched in with psychedelics um, and I've heard different opinions on whether it's counted as a psychedelic or not. What drug class would it, would you consider it to be? So in terms of ketamine, it's, it's not strictly a psychedelic drug. Um, however, with that said, it does have similar effects such as dissociation where the patient enters a state of uh, disconnecting from one's thoughts, their feelings or sense of identity, uh, which is not surprising given that ketamine at high doses is an anaesthetic. However, the, the low dose, which we believe will be efficacious for the treatment of mood disorders, causes very mild dissociation effect, effects, which are very short-lasting, say one to two hours, and fully, uh, fully resolve. This was seen in our phase one trial, and importantly, there was no um, impact on the volunteers' cognitive function Therefore, they were still able to go about their, their normal daily tasks. Um, but I think that in terms of ketamine development and the um, psilocybin, they're, they're, they're sort of going together, I feel like, and there are sort of similarities for sure. So what stage of development are you at with your... Uh, so in terms, as you know, we've just completed the phase one study, which uh, Caritas uh, kindly uh, helped us on. Um, and we're about to commence our, our phase two trials early part next year. Uh, the phase one study was conducted at our partners uh, at King's College London and we'll soon uh, announce the results in a press release in the next couple of weeks. But just uh, what's going to be contained in that press release is effectively that our oral formulation is well tolerated at all six dose levels tested and there's no serious adverse events reported. Also at several dose levels, ketamine and its metabolites were similar to those reported for intranasal um, and IV ketamine which is used currently to treat patients. So we, we know that we're currently delivering the, the required amount and certainly looking at the PK results, we've been managed to, to select our dose level, which will be taken into the, the upcoming phase two, three trials. Um, another part of the secondary endpoints of that study was the to look at the pharmacodynamic effects um, in the trial. And there were some dis, uh, mild dissociation. So it's, it's very apparent that doses are working, if you like. Um, 
as I said, the, 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 these 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 were mild citations which resolved very quickly. So we're very pleased with how the phase one has gone. We're, we can't we can't wait for the next next steps. Okay, good. So you, you got a bit of efficacy and sort of proof of concept from those early phase one. Exactly. Well, those of a human a phase one human volunteer study, we really maximised that study. First of all, it was to prove that it was safe, which it was done. Mm-hmm. But then we also had many secondary endpoints from a PK and a PD perspective, which is, gives us great insights into the, the delivery of the oral capsules, as well as their, their impact on, on the patients. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the shape of the market at the moment, uh, if there is competing compounds and where yours sits in that? Yeah, sure. Uh, so starting with the market, there are um, other oral formulation development. However, we are the only formulation which is under development as an immediate release formulation, which we're, we're mimicking effectively the, the profile of the intranasal and the IV formulations. So as I say, we, we can go directly into phase three. Uh, so we could well be the first formulation to market within the next two to three years. The competition are developing uh, extended release oral formulations. And so they have a very different um, profile to our capsules. And as yet, there's not been any oral formulation was entered into phase three trials. Mm. In regards to the market, the only approved formulation is the uh, intranasal formulation. As mentioned previously, this medication is too expensive and not convenient for the patient. However, despite these drawbacks, the medication has had over 600 600 million pounds of sales this year, treating almost 50,000 people. However, this this represents just less than 20% market uptake. Unfortunately, this does not include any UK patients, as NICE have not approved its use on, on based on the high costs. Mm. So therefore, it's, it's neurocentrics aim to bring the much-needed medication to as many tier sufferers as possible. We believe a, home, a, a convenient at-home medication could address the current access problems for the patients. In the UK alone, there are 300,000 TRD patients who we are trying to, um, t- trying to help. So what is the investment and venture capital seen like for, for this field and this type of product? Yeah, I think um, in general, uh, raising money is, is, can be difficult. Um, however, on the back of our, our good phase one results, we'll soon open up a, a round of investment for our current investors as well as new parties. We'll be seeking funding of around £10 million, which will cover the three times phase two trials, which we intend to conduct with early readout from these trials in Q3 next year. We're also open to any potential partner who can assist us in getting this much-needed medication to patients and supporting potentially the, the conduct of the, the pivotal phase three trials. The next steps is a, for the company itself. Um, it's been a very busy the year this year, but next year is also going to be quite busy as well. Um, we've got potentially three phase two trials, uh, which are going to be conducted next year, which will be in a lead indication TRD, uh, also in bipolar depression and in anorexia depression. Uh, the three studies will not only give us efficacy data on our lead indication, but also gives us indication expansion to other areas, which are not really being researched um, all that much with ketamine treatments. We're very thankful to our partners who are supporting these trials. So King's College have received an MRC grant to, to conduct, tra- conduct a trial with our, our capsules. And we've got a backing of our uh, of the Wellcome Trust, as well as for our current investors. Uh, but as I say, we are open to to speaking to new parties who want to join us on, on this on this uh, on this journey. Great. And how can people get in touch with you if if they're interested in partnering? So on our website, there's a there's a contact form there, so they can uh, contact there, or they can contact myself directly, which is uh, Graham Duncan at Neurocentrics.com. 
Great. And we will put your website in the comments to this podcast. Okay. So I thought we might round off with a a non-work related question, just lighten things up at the end. So if you're willing to share with us, I wondered what's your favorite way to unwind and relax outside of work? Yeah, I think that will be sport. Um, Although I'm too old myself to be to doing sport, I still play golf, but I've got three boys, so they play hockey, football and rugby. So um, I spend most of my time either coaching them or going down to watch them so, or ferrying them about from training. So that's that's my downtime is, is watching the kids do their sport. Yeah, that sounds good. That's that's the best kind of release I, I find as well. So. Graham, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today and for sharing these fascinating insights. Uh, It's such an interesting topic to kick off our new series and good to know that there's hope for patients in the future who are struggling. Uh, We'll look forward to your press release and your results and wish you all the best with your continued development activities and look forward to seeing how it progresses. Thanks again, Leigh, for having me. And um, I just want to say thanks again for the support in the phase one study. Um, the work which Caridas did was was perfect. Whenever you do a clinical trial, I've done many, many clinical trials. And I think this one went the smoothest I've ever seen. Um, and the quality of the data which you've generated is superb. So thanks again to, to you and your team at, at Caritas. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leading Life Science Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this discussion as much as I did and would love to hear your thoughts in the comments and you can find all the relevant links in the show notes. If you did enjoy it, I would be grateful if you could support the podcast by liking, following and maybe sharing it with a friend. Thanks again to our fabulous guests and thanks also to our incredible producer and editor Callum Greens of Wolfie Media who has helped to make this all possible. I've been your host, Lee Fell, and I look forward to speaking to you again next time. Remember, hope can find a way.